Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday morning service. It's great to see you all, whether you're here um, as a, somebody who's been coming for a long time or you're here for the first time. It's great to have you with us. And whether you're here in the building or you're watching us online, it's great to, to see you. Well, this morning, we're continuing in our series in 1 Peter. Um, one of the great encouragements from the passage we're going to be looking at this morning is that if we put our trust in Jesus, then we belong to God's treasured people. We no longer have to struggle alone. But together, God is building us into the people he wants us to be as he prepares us for eternity. So listen to these wonderful words from verse 10 of chapter 2. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Well, before Tom brings us our reading from 1 Peter 2, we're going to praise God for our cornerstone, Jesus Christ, and that our hope is built on nothing less than his blood and his righteousness. This morning's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. (laughs) For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble, a stone, a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thanks, Tom. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, as we turn to the word this morning, let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for, for your word. We thank you for the way in which it builds us up. We thank you that Jesus is our cornerstone. We pray that you would help us to see that this morning, that we would build our lives on him, that we would be changed by him uh, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we think about uh, Jesus, the living stone, there's an element of the foundational piece. And if you think about the past week, uh, think about one sports story. What has been the one sports story in the news? The European Super League. It's one of the stories where... Uh, The top teams from Italy, Spain, and six of the teams uh, from England chose to be part of it. But many of the fans got very, very angry and voiced their concerns, and even the government threatened to step in. Such was the opposition to it. And now, if you look at the English uh, Premier League owners, the six teams involved, if reverse had a fifth gear, they would use it. Because... In their amazing, ambitious plans, they didn't really have any foundation. It completely vanished before their eyes. As without a strong foundation, 
well, things fall apart. And that's especially true for our own lives too. As we'll see this morning as we continue in our series in First Peter, written by the Apostle Peter to the churches in what is now modern day Turkey. All of whom were experiencing pressure, pressure to conform to the culture, meaning that the foundation, the cornerstone on which they built their lives had to be unshakable. And we can rejoice this morning as we see firstly that Jesus is the living stone, the foundational stone. And secondly, that we are being built like living stones. So firstly, Jesus is the living stone. Peter tells us that he is precious to God, but rejected by others. As he writes in verse 4, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. As the Apostle Peter has just reminded his listeners that they have tasted that the Lord is good. He encourages them to come to Jesus. And as they come to him, he wants them to be aware of two things. Because there are two responses to Jesus Christ. Firstly, to believe in him and see him as precious. And secondly, to not believe in him and reject him. And so the first response is to see him as precious. For in scripture it says, See I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious stone, cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. As Peter does throughout his letter, he draws on Old Testament language and applies it to the New Testament church. He cites Isaiah 28 to paint a vivid picture of the amazing privileges of every Christian today. Zion was the location of the temple in Jerusalem. And the Jews grew, drew close to God at his temple, offering sacrifices to him through the high priest to make atonement for their sins so that they could draw close to him and worship him. But God exiled Israel because of their sin. He banished them from their land, from the land because of their continual sin, and therefore they had no access to the temple. Isaiah announced that there would come a day when God would restore his people, restore his temple. Jesus spoke about the temple in John 2 when he cleared the, the temple of the money changers. And Jesus, he said, as the Jews looked on, demanding a sign by which authority he did it, Jesus answered them, destroy, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Because the temple that Jesus was speaking about was his body, that he would be put to death and three days later he would rise from the dead. And the apostle Peter captures this in chapter 1 when he speaks about the resurrection. He says that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have been born again into a living hope. As our hope is not found in a place, but in a person. That's why Peter calls his listeners to come to Jesus. To come to the precious cornerstone. The foundational stone. And that's exactly what a cornerstone in a building is. Foundational. 
Now obviously the new houses being built at the moment look very different from ancient houses. And yet at the same time, if you're using stones, you do use larger stones as foundational stones. And then you build upon those with various other stones of various sizes. But the metaphor as Jesus is the living stone and the cornerstone is that he is the living stone on which to build everything else. And that he's not just a small brick, but the key piece. Without him, then the temple or the spiritual house cannot be built. It cannot stand. Which leads us, leads me to ask the question, what is your foundation? What's the foundation of your life? Maybe, maybe it's your job. That is where you find your foundation. Your family. If you're in a relationship, your boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's your bank balance or your pension plan. The question is, is Jesus your life's foundation? Or is he like your polyfiller? When holes begin to appear in your life, you plug them with a little bit of Jesus. Or is Jesus truly your foundation and everything else is the filler? Well, how do you know? I think the Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, helps us in saying, to you who believe this stone is precious. Therefore, the question is, is Jesus precious to you? I'm not asking if you believe in God. I'm not asking if you come to church. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if you've, if you think you're C of E or Baptist. Or even if you're a good person or a bad person. No, the question is, is Jesus precious to you? Do you love Jesus? Because the whole letter of First Peter is written to comfort those who are being persecuted for their faith. And these same words bring us comfort today. As he says in verse 6, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And whilst we may face, we may face trials, suffering, and people treating us unfairly simply because we love Jesus, that will all fade into the background. As anyone who trusts in Jesus, the living stone, will never be put to shame. Jesus will never turn his face away from you. And yet there's also the other side of the coin, isn't there? There's the preciousness of Jesus and there's the rejection of Jesus. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God. As he will be precious to those who believe in him, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. In the context of Peter's letter, the builders are the Jewish leaders who rejected Jesus, as Jesus used these very same words in Matthew 21. But now Peter writes, speaking to all people who reject Jesus, saying, a, corner, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. 
Peter says that the Jewish leaders don't recognize the one who has come. Not only do they not recognize him, but instead of building their life on him, they stumble over him. They were waiting for a conquering, powerful king. A king who would come and overthrow the Romans and rule on the throne of Israel. The Jews wanted that kind of king and not a sacrificial suffering servant who would give his life as a ransom for many. They wanted really to build their house, God's house, on their righteousness and not on the work of Jesus Christ. And as a result, they stumbled and fell. They stumbled and fell over the message that was preached to them. And yet the motivation, ultimately, is to comfort persecuted Christians. He wants them to know that just as Jesus was rejected, well, so will you and I. So we shouldn't think it strange in some way when people talk to you less, or even don't talk to you at all, because you follow Jesus. It happened to Jesus, it will happen to you. As the context of verse 8, taken from Isaiah 8, 14 is judgment because those who reject Jesus are destined for eternal shame and punishment in hell but those who receive Jesus as Lord are destined to see him as glorious and wonderful they will be honored forever Jesus said he did not come to bring peace, but with a sword. And therefore, the question for you this morning is, is Jesus your cornerstone or is he your stumbling stone? No less than your eternity depends on your answer. And therefore, Peter calls you to come to him, to come to Jesus, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Come to him, the living stone, because we are like living stones. As Peter says, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. The words are being built are quite important. When it comes to the topic of holiness, people can see it as perfection and just give up. Because they think, well, I'll never arrive there, so why try? But if our lives are to be described as a house, then the sign in front of the, of the house in the garden should read, under construction. We're not the perfect holy house that we would like to be. But the important thing is that we are under construction and not on furlough. We want to strive to build holy lives, holy lives that honor and please God. And we do that through simple tools, the simple tools of daily devotions in the in the word, drenching our day in prayer, seeking to build one another up through acts of service, hospitality, or maybe even the simplest thing of a phone call. And we don't do these things alone because a stone alone is not a house. A house only takes shape when all the stones are built up together. Now imagine that this house 
is the spiritual house, the church of God. If Jesus is the cornerstone, the house, the foundational stone, then every other stone is being built up together into that spiritual house. The risk, however, I think in a church is that some people will see, well, I'm this kind of stone and you're that. They start to see who they are and maybe who they're not. And maybe, maybe we are like the big lintel stones above the windows. That, that we take on a lot of weight, take on a lot of pressure, and are under a lot of stress. And maybe that's you this morning, that you do a lot of work striving to build up others and feel, quite frankly, burdened. If that is you, then please do speak to, to Neil or I or the elders that we would be able to help you take the strain and distribute the load. Because remember, you are not the keystone. Jesus is. Or maybe maybe you're just a small stone, a small stone in the spiritual house, and you think, you know, I could probably do more. If that's you, then please do get in touch as we seek to, to build teams, to build up one another in the coming weeks and months ahead in different ministries, in different parts of the church. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, I used to be a big stone. But now I look at everyone else and think, you know, I'm so insignificant. I'm just a tiny stone in the wall. Well, if that's you, what does God say to you this morning? He says that as God's spiritual house, you are God's special possession. Therefore, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that you are less valued because you're not a bigger living stone. Because look to Jesus. Look to Jesus who calls you his special possession. Jesus is our cornerstone. But it takes every stone to build up the spiritual house, the church of which you are a valued part. No matter your age, background, status, ability, we're all God's church being built together as he dwells in us and with us as we gather to worship him together. Therefore, let me encourage you, if you're not high risk and you have not returned to worship together, let me encourage you to do that. We want to build one another up together as we can only truly do that as we meet together to worship as his church. We want to build one another up like living stones into a spiritual house in which Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And we build that one another up so that we, well, as we are, a holy and royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, and the people of God. Seeing intense persecution on the horizon, Peter wants to, he wants to comfort his listeners and he wants to hammer home the privileges that they share as God's people. As living stone, living stones, Peter calls his listeners a royal and holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Previously priests offered sacrifices to atone for sin. But now we offer spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. 
Now all believers are like priests as they offer sacrifices to God in Jesus' name. In a Sunday setting, that might simply be to come to worship having prepared yourself to meet with the Lord. It could mean trying to block out distractions like playing with your phone during worship so that you can give God your best. And during the week, it clearly means pursuing holiness. That is, turning away from sin, repenting of it, and meditating on the truths of Scripture. In an even more practical way, perhaps if you're going to work, preparing your home or studying for exams, you do it all as a spiritual sacrifice to God. Which means you work with excellence and integrity for the glory of God in every part of your life. Thinking of the building analogy, perhaps, if you are an actual builder, you don't build a house with a big Christian cross on the front of it. No, you build the best house on the block. And you do that as we work not for man, but for the glory of God. That is your spiritual sacrifice to God. As we do it all in the name of Jesus. And as God's chosen people, we are called to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. And this will overflow into our lives So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter picks up on the language from Isaiah 43. When God describes his people as the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. From darkness to light. It makes me think of something I saw a few years ago in Italy of a sunflower field there. At the end of the season, when the sunflowers die, instead of being bright yellow, they turn black. And instead of their position towards the sun, they turn away from the sun. The whole field turns away from the sun as they shrivel and die. And I suppose it's a little bit like that when you're walking around in the dark without the Lord. We don't know what we're doing. We try and fix things ourselves. And as a result, we turn in on ourselves and turn away from our maker who gives us life. But when we see the wonderful glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, then we are like a field of sunflowers in season. We turn to Jesus and we flourish. We turn to him who is the light and the life that we might begin to really live and declare the praises of his name who brought us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. To every person we would declare this message, to every person in every nation, that they would know that Jesus brings life. Because once... You were not a people, but now you are the people of God. The language is taken from Hosea when Israel was walking in spiritual idolatry and turning away from the Lord. But because of Jesus, now all people, all people, both Jews and Gentiles, are called to be the people of God. Now the holy nation 
is the church of Jesus Christ. Made up of Jews and Gentiles from all people from all nations. If there are any barriers to worship, then we should seek to remove them so that every person from every place is able to seek to worship God together as his church. And all these blessings and privileges are only possible because of God's mercy. As once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The only reason... The only reason that we're able to enjoy these privileges is because of God's mercy to us. Only by his grace. Nothing, nothing, nothing that we have done. God, in fact, should judge us for our sin. But he judges his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross that we would receive mercy, that we would be able to declare the praises of his name to every person in every nation. It is only by what Jesus has done that has made us free people, free to worship him, to worship him as your and my precious cornerstone. It is only by what he has done that has liberated us by what he has done in rising from the dead. As Peter speaks about the resurrection in chapter 1, he says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we can come to you through our Lord Jesus, who is our cornerstone. And we pray, Lord, that if we are walking with you, that we would see you as precious. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to change our hearts, to to turn from any sin. Forgive us, Lord, if there is anything that is grieving you in our lives right now. Help us to turn from it, that we would see you as precious. Father, we pray for those this morning who who do not have you as their foundation. We pray that they would come to you, that they would come to Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your amazing mercy that has brought us out of darkness and into your wonderful light, that we might declare your praises. And we thank you, Lord, for all these privileges by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're going to stand together in the building, sing at home, praise the name. Praise the name of Jesus for what he has done. Please take a seat. Let me read that verse again. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Well, we'll have a chance to praise him again this evening with our five o'clock um, Zoom call. It's going to be a prayer and praise evening tonight, which Nathan's going to be leading. So I'd love to see you all on that. It'll be wonderful to come together again as God's people to praise him. 
But let me leave you that question. Is Jesus your cornerstone or is he your stumbling stone? We close with this prayer from Jude. If you want to hang around after the service, just um, spend some moment in quiet praying. Feel free to do that. But once you do move away, uh, you'll have to leave the building and don't congregate, but leave um, and chat to people further away um, in groups of six. Let's close with this uh, doxology there. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. Amen.